with you all. This is our third week in our, our family game knife and legacy. And at the last few weeks is what it takes to win in life and legacy. And, and we want to live our lives in such a way that we're going after the win. We've told you each week that if we're going to run a race, the Word of God tells us to run as to win. And so that's how we ought to go about life, looking for the win for not just ourselves, but for our lives and for our legacy. And this Sunday, we're going to look at a game called Yahtzee. How many enjoy Yahtzee? That's a fun game. Yeah, a game of chance, a game of skill as far as counting and, and figuring things out. I love Yahtzee. It's a great game. And so we're going to look at that. The thing with Yahtzee, though, is even though it's a wonderful game, you can't completely control the role. You know what I mean? Like, like the way those things dump out. Now, some of you are like, no, you don't even know how skilled I am. But, but the truth of the matter is, most of us, we can't control the role. We're going by chance. We're, we're, we're shaking that thing up. We're pushing it out there. And we're hoping for the best. But every time we go for it, we are going for the perfect role. And that is kind of how it is in our lives. We want the perfect role. We want things to go well in our life. And I think Scripture can kind of show us a good way to do that. Um, I'm going to go back to the scripture we, we looked at last week in, in, in Galatians chapter 5. And this is like the last part of that verse that we looked at last week. And we're going to continue through 5 this week. And it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Sounds like if we were able to live that out, those roles in our life, those things that we have in our relationships would probably go a lot better. How many know though we struggle at times? Because you can't ever have that perfect role. Things happen, don't they? I want us to stand to our feet. I want to read a much longer extension of this scripture. This is where we're headed today. This is Ephesians 5, 15 through 27 as we stand to honor. And so since things happen, since we can't control the role at times, let's see what Ephesians 5.15 tells us. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving passage of Scripture, jumping to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this. This whole passage of Scripture jumps into how we deal with each other uh, in relationships with our husbands, our wives, our kids. That's what this whole next section, how we deal with each other in relationship to each other here in the church as a family of God. And I love in the middle of all that, somehow it just says, don't y'all get drunk. This, is, has, this has nothing to do with drinking this sermon. I just thought it was neat that Jesus put it in there because I think he knew that sometimes there's not perfect roles in your life and sometimes it's easier just to kind of check out. And so in the middle of this relational verse, this relational chapter telling you how to perfect your roles in your relationships, he says to everybody, stay away from the booze because it, it can't make things easier. No, no, just for a moment though, right? That's what it says, is don't be drunk. No, no, no. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to do. Let's go down to verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you see that? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Especially like when it comes to our church family relationship or others that you would call family, but there may not be exactly blood, you know what I'm saying? But when it comes to it, I got to thinking about that. Submitting to one another out of reverence for who? 
Christ. And, and we might at times say, you know, I just don't care for them that much. You know, I just don't care for them that much. No, no, no. Truth of the matter is what we're really saying is we just don't care much about Jesus. Smile. You're like, oh, Ross, you're getting on this already today. I know. I'm just saying, when we're going through life and the relationships that we have, man, they reflect our relationship with Jesus. Every single one of them. And some of the most difficult relationships we have are the ones in our house. And so then it goes on to that. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, say amen. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and his himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now listen, verse 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Women say amen. amen. There was more women saying amen because you can't, you can't go wrong with Jesus loving the church and you can't go wrong with a husband love, but you, you misogynistic. You know, we, we got to be careful on the other thing. Because there's some men that have taken this scripture and violated it. Amen? That's not what we're talking about here. We'll get that. But I do like how um, men were more afraid to, amen. <laughs> I wasn't amening. I wasn't. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He, he, he gave himself for it, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Yahtzee! So there's some things that win, you know? Yeah, there's some struggles that need the water to wash over us. There's some things, some roles, some chance things that happen in our lives that may need God's intervention and His work in our life. The Spirit's moving in our life for us to love and for them to submit and all those kinds of things. But man, we're going for the win. Amen. We want to win in life and legacy. And this scripture is teaching us how to do that. And so today what we're looking at is marriage and expectations. Marriage and expectations and going for the perfect role, all right? Father, in the name of Jesus, over the next few minutes, would you just visit with our hearts as we prepare ourselves to come to the communion tables. We prepare ourselves to come and feast on you and your goodness and your remembrance to us, Lord God, of all that you sacrificed for us to have life and legacy in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have your seats. So going for that idea of a perfect role, the problem is, like Yahtzee, life is a game of chance. I, I know that God's will is sovereign. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when it comes to it, you at times feel like you're out of control. You feel like you're just rolling and like whatever comes, comes. And what am I supposed to do with that? And can I just say it this way? You're right. You can't control the role. All right? You can't control the role. In life, at times, marriage feels that way. You know, just things pop up. You can't control what's rolled out. You can't control what life drops on you. That, 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 and, 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 and Yahtzee, you're shaking those die up and you throw it on the table. And they're going to fall up as the way they fall up. I mean, it's just it's how it's going to happen, you know. And it kind of is frustrating. So life has a way of throwing things at you that can cause intense stress in the relationship. Amen. It's like, like, and I'm not saying that it's one of those things where it's the husband's fault or the wife's fault. I, your car breaking down wasn't either of your fault. Unless somebody forgot to put oil in it. <laughs> you know, but I'm just saying for the most part, things just happen, you know. And like, like Yahtzee in life, I can't determine what's going to land on the table, but I can determine how I'm going to deal with what lands on the table. You know, when you think about the things of life that kind of roll out upon us at times, you know, you think of things like financial hardship. 
You know, a medical bill that you did not expect. You know, something that you were trying to, I mean, you're that close to getting out of debt. And the next thing you know, your appendix is hurting or your append, whichever side it's on, I don't know. You know, now we have a deductible again. You know, the, just that role that happens is so frustrating. Maybe it is a health issue that comes that you never saw coming, you know. Maybe for you it's work stress, you know, and, and, and that, that's something that you didn't see happening. Maybe that work stress is lack of work stress, you know. Just, just me, I'm unemployed right now and it's causing an issue. Or maybe it's overtime, forced overtime. You know, my husband, this forced overtime, it's just something, it's not something that I've done to myself. It's just life dumping that on me. How about the idea of crazy children? When Amy and I were married, our first three, you know, oh my word, it was like we had such a good marriage till the children came. And then for the first probably five years of their lives, every one of them, and since they were in a clump, it was a lot of years. It, we were at each other, you know, and, and, and this is the reason why marriage is in a divorce within the first seven years. Do you know that? Guys, listen, the first seven years are heck. They're hard. You're trying to figure each other out. You're trying to learn each other. You got babies, and babies are almost like having demons, you know? And then we got our children to the age where it was like, Oh, I love my wife again. And she's like, I love Ross again. This is wonderful. This is beautiful. All those old fights that we used to have about shared labor and various things, they had went away because now the children shared in the labor. It was wonderful. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Maverick came into the home. And it was just like the, the yacht, you know, Maverick gets dumped on the table. And next thing you know, we're dealing with this stuff again, and we're fighting. And you've heard me say it before. We're looking at each other one day, and I said, baby, this isn't us. This isn't you. This isn't me. It's him. <laughs> he's evil, you know. And he's not every day, but, you know. But now, it's beautiful because he's getting that age where he's a lot of fun. You know, Arden's getting that age now where she's growing out of that evil stage, and she's a lot of fun. And we're fighting a whole lot less, aren't we, you know? And um, so I'm just saying, those first few years, whether you do that in two sets like we did, it doesn't matter. We revisited our first few years with those kids. And I'm just saying, have patience with each other, amen? It's difficult. That role, you can't control. It is difficult. And so that's the crazy children. How about crazy adult children? I got a story. This is great. Y'all remember last week I talked about the chicken salad of death? If you missed that sermon, go back and listen to it. And so because of the chicken salad of death, I'm like, I'm not eating that. At that point, we're going to go have dinner. My adult children had no intentions on going out to eat with us that day. Not one bit. Because we're going back to have the chicken salad of death. And, um, but they caught wind, and, um, and it was awesome because, because Amy, I was doing something else, and she goes, we got to go. The kids are all at Mikasa, and they're waiting on you. And when they said the kids, I knew it wasn't Arden and Mac because they can't drive. <laughs> and so we go, it's, it's husband, and, and it's boyfriend, and it's everybody. It was awesome, and I love that, and I hope that we can always have that experience. I'm not saying this to embarrass you much. But I just thought it was funny. Adult children is like, whoo, free meal. We're going to Ricasa, you know. And, uh, and dad, dad loves that. I think it's so much fun. So, um, but, you know, it's easy. I'm, I'm going to brag on my kids. It's easy to do kind of things like that because they've paid for all their college. Amen? 
I'm a bad daddy that way. But I'm so proud of them that way because they have, you know, they had hope and hope had them. Amen. I love hope scholarship. So good. And so how I will play determine what is going to land on the table. But listen, I can certainly determine how I will play what is rolled out on the table. That's what's so neat about Yahtzee. Yahtzee is a counting and reconciling game. It's not just a game of chance. There is the chance side of it that you can't control, the roll that happens. There is that portion of it. Heck, there's even a little dot on there, a little block called chance, you know, for kind of a mulligan on one of the rolls. But when it comes down to it, I can't control how the roll comes out, but I certainly can determine how I'm going to play what the roll is how the role plays out, you know? And so it's a game of chance. It's a game of counting, but it's also a game of reconciling. And here's what the scripture tells us about reconciling. Ready? Because reconciling is counting. It's determining where on the ledger something goes, all right? And so James 1, 2 through 4 says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into various kinds of trouble, you know, that, 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 that role that isn't what you were hoping for, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Listen, marriages in this house, the role isn't going to be perfect. But will you take what is dealt to you and count it as joy and realize I'm going to put it on this side of the ledger of development, of growth, of discipline, of submission to the Father, whatever, however you want to look at that. And in time, that steadfastness is going to produce perfection and complete me and my household. Amen? And then it says, and lack nothing. Is that awesome? Lacking nothing. That's a promise from the Father. But that promise doesn't come saying you won't have no hard roles. You won't have any hard decisions, any hard experiences. That promise comes because it says how are you going to count those things? How are you going to reconcile those things? When, when that life dumps something out on you, that, 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 that role, that chance comes, how do you handle that as a husband and as a wife? And so listen, when it comes to our relationships in life, no one experiences a perfect role every time. It just doesn't happen. But we should strive to perfect our role every time. Do you see what I did there? We can't determine how the R-O-L-L will go in our lives. We can't determine the role, but we sure in the world can make a decision that we're going to perfect our R-O-L-E, our roles in our lives. That, that's all I'm saying. And I hated that the church folks, that you, my church family hurts sometimes. And you can't know how much it keeps me up. You can't know R-O-L-L that meant that so deeply for you guys. Because I know the role, R-O-L-L, that many of you have been dealt. But I know that Jesus can bring the miraculous. Jesus can bring healing. Jesus can bring hope when we allow Him to perfect us by us embracing our R-O-L-E, our roles in our relationships. That's good preaching, even if you're not shouting. Somebody say amen. And so before we look at the roles we should strive to perfect in our marriage, and there's just going to be two little quick things. I'm being honest. I, we don't need to go deep into this, all right? But before we look at that, I want to look at what expectations you should not put on your spouse. Amen? Everybody's like, go there, Ross, please. 
Yeah, what expectation should you not? The expectation, number one, that you should not put on your spouse is this, that your spouse is responsible to make you happy. That is an expectation that we cannot put on our spouse. They are responsible to make us happy. Guys, listen, the movies that we have watched since we were a little child, the fairy tales that we have read since we were little children, when it comes down to it, they lied to us. Because in those movies, they always say that you're going to be able to have this, this experience where you live happily. Say it one more time. Yeah, so what happens is when you get into a relationship and that, that, that die of life gets rolled and it doesn't roll up what you want, you know, um, what ends up happening in that moment is that, that you get frustrated, you know, when your happiness hits a wall and it's easy in that frustration to blame your spouse. It's their fault because I'm not happy, you know. But listen, people in your life can bring you joy, all right, but abiding happiness is not their job you know that I, Amy brings me a ton of joy she really does you know and and it's after 25 years of marriage it, it blows my told her I was away in Nashville it, it doesn't get old you know just the joy that she brings my heart it doesn't I told her I was away in Nashville last week and I, I texted her I said you really are my favorite person you know I was around people all you know the two days I was there I was there for a, a, a hearing aid convention um, I, or something like that it's called I'm not sure exactly what it's called and um um, but I was there, and I just texted her, you are really my favorite person. I was enjoying company with a lot of people, but, man, she's my favorite person. You know, she brings a lot of joy. But it still isn't her job to make me happy, you know. One of the, the best ways for you to have your, like, be able to, like, eat away at your marriage is to make your spouse's job or their role, their R-O-L-E, that of keeping you happy. That's one of the worst things you can do to your spouse, and the reason why is because happiness isn't an external job. Happiness is an inside job. And your spouse cannot be responsible to make you happy over the long haul. That's why it's telling you, count it all joy. Amen? You're supposed to embrace it. What does it take for me to be happy? Well, I'm going to have to count it all joy when I fall into trials. It's mine. And so here's the thing, though. When we say count it all joy, there's a difference between joy and pleasure. Joy versus pleasure. The problem is too often we mistake joy for pleasure or for happiness. I'm kind of equating pleasure and happiness together. And, and, and in my life, one thing that doesn't give me pleasure, it doesn't give me happiness, is painting. I hate to paint. I, I'm not good at painting walls. I just don't like painting. And it just doesn't bring me any pleasure. But on our day off this week, Amy and I, we, and this was awesome because we have first time in I don't know how many years we had the same day off, you know, because Arden went to school. <laughs> Woo! And usually Amy would drop Arden off or Amy would, you know, watch the kid that day or I'd watch the kid that day, you know, that kind of thing. And oh my word, it was just she and I. We could have done anything that day. Woo! And we actually talked about doing a lot of different things that day. And then we're sitting there and all of a sudden it was like, you know what, that room that we've been wanting to turn into an office since Adelie left why don't we paint that room? And everything within me was like, why don't we not? 
I do not receive pleasure or happiness from painting a room. But listen, we got a hold of that together, and there was joy in it. We got a hold of that together because this is going to be a room where she and I are going to go into and do life and, and be able to experience, you know, just we're going to put all our, 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 our um, what do you call it, hiking pictures up and our shared experiences up. And, and so as we're doing that, man, it was a wonderful day off. It was incredible as we were doing those things. And Amy cuts in, and that makes me really happy, you know. She cuts in. It's not great, but I can't complain. <laughs> She'll say that. She's like, I'm going to cut in, but don't you complain because, you know, I'm not, you're not doing it. And she's right. And so, and then it's funny because she's like, if I get it up on the popcorn ceiling, she said, it's okay, Ross. You can just take a knife and scrape that off. <laughs> then I was like, that's why all our ceilings look like that. <laughs> so we count it all joy. The problem is we often, too often, mistake joy for pleasure happiness and like I said that doesn't make me happy painting but the common goal of working together with my wife bring pleasure and so we just gotta be careful that we don't place that there are things I may do with my wife that really don't bring pleasure to me but when I embrace it in the moment there's joy in the middle of that and then vice versa there's things that she will embrace with me that maybe not bring brings the greatest happiness but it does turn into joy you know and so that's the first thing the second one is this the expectation that your spouse is responsible to make you healthy so we look at the spouse is not responsible to make you happy, but also the spouse is not responsible to make you healthy. If you all have noticed through the years, Amy does not have much problems when it comes to eating and health, you know? And, and, and you probably noticed I have had some problems, you know? Listen, I, I discovered my first struggle with health as an adult when Amy became pregnant with Adelie. That was my first struggle as an adult with health. And the reason why, y'all, is because we had cravings. That's why. Right, husbands? We had cravings. And, and most of the time, it would look like, hey, Amy, you know what? You, you want some ice cream? <laughs> you know, let me get you a pizza. You know, let me get you two pizzas. <laughs> and and it, was, it was that, you know? And so, like, that was the first time as an adult, man, I just blew up. Amy gained, I don't even know, about 50 pounds of her, you know, which was wild because she was about 105 pounds when she got pregnant. And um, her toes turned into Vienna sausages. It was so cute. <laughs> Yeah, her toes turned into Vienna sausages, and I, like, started eating, like, tons of stuff with her because I wanted her to feel okay about that. <laughs> but, you know, once the baby came, the struggles didn't stop. And through the years, it was easy for me to blame Amy, you know, because she didn't have struggles with that. The baby came, and shortly after, she was back to where she always was. And, and so, you know, I would want to be able to blame her. You brought us to this restaurant. This is your fault, you know. I'm the one driving, but it's somehow her fault. And the truth of the matter is, when it came down to it, she couldn't be responsible for my health. We could have went to a salad bar, and I would do salad wrong. Do you know how much bacon you can put on a salad? Check it. And still call it a salad. <laughs> a lot, <laughs> you know? You know how much croutons? Oh, my. You know Ruby Tuesdays? Remember the croutons they used to have? Make you speak in tongues. These... Mm. Pumpernickel, croutons, glory to God. And, and so, yeah, it didn't matter where we went. It wasn't her job to make me healthy. I could turn anything into a bad situation when it came to health. It wasn't her until I made a decision to get healthy. It wasn't going to happen. And she was encouraging. She was challenging. There was times I was frustrated, not happy with her because she was encouraging and challenging. But the truth of the matter is it's not her place to make me happy. It's not her place to make me healthy. 
Final one, what's another expectation you, should put, you shouldn't put on your spouse? The expectation that your spouse is responsible to make you holy. His job to make you happy, healthy, or holy. It's not her job to make you happy, healthy, or holy. And there are men that will not come to church because their wife doesn't come. Well, she didn't want to come, so I'm not coming. And I get that once in a while. You know, but there's people I've met consistently that just won't come because their spouse won't come. Or there's women that just won't come because their spouse won't come. You know, there are women who will say, I struggle to have a devotional or prayer life because my husband won't lead us in that area. Well, listen, your husband doesn't watch Hallmark shows with you also. Hallmark, if you don't have a problem binge-watching the 30 newest Christmas Hallmark episodes that just dropped, you know? So I've been told. So I've been told. Part of the joy that Amy and I do share in marriage is Jesus and cheesy chick flicks. That, that's like the glue that holds our, our marriage together. It really is. But, but, but no, it's, just, it's not your responsibility to go after God for your spouse. I mean, I'm not saying you don't go after God in prayer. When I was a mess, tore up from the floor up, messed up from the chest up, you know what I'm saying? When I was a mess, Amy didn't like berate me for being a mess back in the day. She went to prayer. There was a book by Stormy Ormartian called Power of a Praying Wife. And she prayed me through childishness. You know, she prayed me through selfishness. She prayed me through me being a mama's boy. She prayed me through those things, you know. And I'm not saying that she didn't push on those things. They were, they're what she did. Well, she pushed at times, but, but she prayed me through those things. And I've said it before. She should have left me three times in our marriage. Not because of infidelity, because I was just stupid selfish, focused more on what I was doing for the kingdom than I was doing for my family, you know? And I thank you, Amy, for hanging in there. Hmm. But it wasn't her responsibility to force me to go after God in those moments, you know? And you've heard me tell the story before. There was a three-month stretch where I didn't go to God at all. I preached, but I didn't pray. Those were horrible sermons, by the way. But it was true. I was mad at God. I was frustrated at God. But my wife kept praying, you know. She kept seeking God for me while I was going through that. She couldn't make me holy, but she could pray me through. I had to have that decision to go after God for myself. And, and I like the picture of this. I, I did a wedding for a couple a few years ago, um, Angela and Matt Rice. And they had this, this board that had the scripture on it that said the threefold cord is not easily broken. And on it, they had three strings or three ropes that came down. And that center rope represented God. And the one side of the rope, the right side of the rope, represented Angela. And the left side represented Matt. And when it came to the unity expression, rather than lighting candles like a lot of us did all those years ago, that was kind of common. Now, there's all sorts of unity expressions from pouring salt and, or sand in like my kids did to, to this. This is a really neat expression. And so they went and they grabbed the rope together and that center rope representing God and each rope representing themselves. They began to bind themselves around that rope in the middle and they created a braid or a three-corded rope that's not easily easily broken you know and that's how it is it's the role of each spouse to go after God you can't go after God 
for your spouse. You can pray to God, but it's not your job to make your spouse holy. But watch this. If you'll make a decision to go after God, and you, they'll make a decision to go after God, watch him bind you tighter to each other as you pearl to you. And next thing, okay? I love that. Just, God, you're my focus. I'm binding myself to you. And next thing you know, your spouse is doing the same. And he binds you to each other and it, to a point where that glue holds. And it becomes a marriage that cannot be broken because you're binding yourself to Jesus. I think Colossians 1.17 says it beautiful that Jesus is before all things. And in Jesus, all things consist. Or, or another translation says, all things are held together. This binding agent that is Jesus in a relationship. Yes, it, it, I believe holiness fixes that. If I'm pursuing holiness and my wife is pursuing holiness, I'm pursuing God, my wife is pursuing God, it does, it draws us to a place that's a strong bond that cannot be broken. But I can't do that for Amy, just like she can't do that for me. Amen? And I want you to see something here. In this passage of Scripture, it says, Jesus is before all things, and in him all things consist. Can I tell you right now, things in your life will not be held together until Jesus is before all things. Amen? Is that neat? Never saw that before until I was preparing this sermon this week. When he is before all things, everything else starts to hold together. Everything else starts to fall into place. And he's a Jesus of forgiveness. And he's a Jesus, I will say, of judgment too. All right? I'm not saying that anything goes in our relationships. No. But I'm just saying, when he is before all things in your own personal life, he starts to hold things together. And when both people do that, it's hard. You can't have one. When both people do that, it creates a strong bond that is not easily broken. Let me just say it this way. No one rolls perfect every time. But again, we should strive to perfect our role, R-O-L-E, when it comes to our relationships every time. Amen? So what are the expectations that we should have for each other? Well, the scripture teaches us this. What shouldn't feel like a gamble every day? Okay, I, I, I want to keep on this, this game of chance kind of mindset. Okay, what in our life should not feel like a gamble when it comes to our spouse? And the first thing is men ought to love your wives as Christ loves the church. Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to him in splendor. Not point out every wrongdoing, not point out every shortcoming, not, not complain about every meal made. Come on, men. We've got to love better than that. Not complain. Nothing can make you happy. Nothing satisfies you, sir. You know, like, 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 and I've heard that in my own home, you know. No, no, God, he loves us in such a way that man, he perfects us. He presents the church to himself in splendor with spot, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. It's powerful, you know. And so I believe this. Listen, when it comes to how a man ought to love a, a woman, a woman should be able to wake up in a marriage every day knowing that she'll be loved sacrificially. So we see here that the husband is to love the wife as Christ loves the church. That We can't control everything else, but what we can control is the choice each day to love as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He loved the church in such a way that even when we were yet still sinners, he died for us. Well, if she would do right, I would be able to show her some more love. He loved us in such a way that he literally laid his life down for us. Shed his blood for us. 
his life for ours. Whatever it takes to bring abundance of life to your spouse, that's what Jesus modeled. That the husband will do what it takes to bring abundant life to the wife, even at his own expense. Expense of time, expense of agenda, expense of attention, expense of whatever you want to put in there at his own expense. I was talking to a guy a couple days ago that wants a sports car. And I thought it was awesome because he goes, I want a sports car, but it's got to have five seatbelts in it. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that cool? And so he's like, I'm looking at the, you know, Porsche Cyan because they have that. And I think there was some Audi that has that. And the first picture he showed me was, what do you think of that, Pastor? It was a 2020 Corvette. Ooh, it was sweet. Mid-engine. The new Corvette has a mid. What in the world? And $59,000 starting price. That's way beyond me. But that ain't bad. Not, I'm just saying for what that is. Every husband's looking at their wife going, see, Pastor said that's not bad. That's bad for me. I'm just saying, for this fellow, maybe not so bad. But he knew to be able to live in such a way with his family, I want a sports car, but it's got to have five seatbelts. I want something fancy and fast. Because he even had it all written down on the side, the, the miles, how fast it goes to 60 and 3.4 and 3.2. And he had it all journaled. I loved it. I was like, that's cool, man. Make it clear and plain so that you might be able to run. I'm, see, I'm teasing. That's what Habakkuk says. So he's got a vision. But in that vision, he wasn't running ahead of his family. And I thought that was really, really neat, you know. My wife would shoot me, but I thought that was really neat. No. So we don't live our chance. We live our lives, okay. He could have just done whatever he wanted. No, no, no. We don't live our lives by chance. We live our lives by choice. That's the difference here. This is how we love. We don't just live by chance. We live by choice every day with our spouses. And it's not by chance. That's the R-O-L-L. But it's by choice, the R-O-L-E, every day that we're trying to be perfected in how God would have us to love our spouse. Let's talk about the ladies a little bit as we come to a close, all right? Women, the Bible says, to submit, to honor, to reverence your husbands. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And this isn't saying that in this moment, a man is to lord over his wife. Mutual submission is a beautiful thing. This is leadership of a home. It's not lordship over a home. We only have one Lord, and that's Jesus. All right, we're not talking about a master to servant relationship here when it comes to submission. We're talking about a lover to his beloved. Is that different? When it comes to submission, a lover to his beloved. I don't want to get too weird, but you know how it is when you're together and you're intimate. There's a mutual submission that starts to take place between lover and beloved. And, and it's a beautiful expression that takes place in that moment, you know. I just need you to get that out of the bedroom. Amen? And live that out when you're over your finances. The lover and the beloved. Live that out when you're over the decisions you're making about what vacation you're going to go on. The lover and the beloved, you know? Live that out on how you're raising the children. The lover and the beloved. Not master and servant. No, the wife is just submit to the headship and leadership of the husband. But husband, you better be loving the beloved. Amen? That's how Jesus modeled it to us. This isn't a misogynistic you know, um, 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 male chauvinistic passage at all. It's a beautiful binding together of people supporting each other and looking to serve each other in the roles that they're in. 
And so when it comes to that wife and that idea of submission and reverence and honor, listen, a man should be able to wake up in a marriage knowing that his wife will not be looking for an opportunity to diminish or belittle him, but for an opportunity to reverence and honor him. Amen? That's what it's talking about. Don't, don't you think we deserve that each as a husband and a wife? That you ought to be able to wake up every morning without the sense of a gamble. There's too much in life that happens, it feels like by chance, that gets thrown to us with every role. But our R-O-L-E, our role should be to limit that in our marriage. To where our husbands or our wives can wake up in the morning and feel a sense of confidence that my husband is going to love me as Christ loves the church. That my wife is going to honor me and reverence me like the church honors and reverence Jesus. Not out of submission that is required, but submission that is earned. Man, what a beautiful testament of, of, of binding ourselves around the rope that is God. You know, becoming that strong threefold cord that cannot be broken. And too often, though, we'll look at each other and say things like, well, if she would start to submit, I would start to love. Well, if he would show me love, I would start to submit. Can I just tell you both today, start now. Amen? Just begin it now. It may not be perfect yet, but it will be perfected as you embrace those roles that are so simple. And I'm not giving you a whole detailed list of how that looks because I don't know how it's going to look in your life. I just know the outcome. I just know if you go after God and you begin to live those roles out and God begins to show you how to show love to your wife, she'll be bound to Jesus and bound to you. And if you'll, as a woman, go after God and he starts to show you how to submit to your husband and you're going after God, you'll be bound to him and you'll be bound to each other. Amen? I'm tired of seeing the enemy destroy relationships because one, we don't go after God first and two, we're holding on to poor roles that happen. R-O-L-L and thinking that that can't be healed and allow God to perfect your R-O-L-E's your roles in each other's in each other's lives I just know when it comes to Jesus at times I'm a failure okay and I need his help and he has such a great role in my life because he is my savior he forgives me let's stand to our feet he, he, he rushes into relationship with me doesn't hold me hostage, even because of my wrongdoings, but he gives me opportunity to make those things right. And so today, we're going to be looking, as we close, at communion. We're going to take communion. We're going to go into worship. You're going to come and get your communion, and you're going to take it back to your seat, okay? Don't partake. Just continue to worship. But we started with Christ loves you, and he gave himself for you, that he can sanctify us. That means to set us apart as holy. That means we don't live like the world. We live like the church. We live like his redeemed. We don't have to, to succumb to, to the things that the world says we're going to succumb to in our relationships. He wants to cleanse us today. And there's things that, that I need to be cleansed in when it comes to my relationship with Amy today. And I'm going to bring that to this altar, if you will, as I take communion today. Listen, every young bride and every young husband goes to that altar with an expectation for the future. They're looking forward to what the future holds. The thing is, that expectation is laced with hope. Yeah, it is. But if you were honest with yourself, my day I went to the altar, it was also laced with an expectation of a little bit of a good dad. Am I going to measure up? Am I going to be a good husband? Am I going to be a good dad? Can I provide for my family? And as we go into this song, Jesus has made us free from that fear. Amen? Jesus has come to set his bride free 
And I want to tell you in our lives as husbands and wives, that mutual submission to each other brings about ultimate freedom for us to become all that Jesus wants to perfect in us to become. So as we worship today, I want you to embrace this sense of freedom. We should be living in such a way with our spouses where they can wake up with an expectation that they can sense a freedom to live today, not a freedom to lose today. They can sense a freedom to love today. They can sense a freedom to submit today, a freedom to honor, and in doing so, a strong bond will form that can't be broken. You know, marriage is that picture of Christ's love for his bride, the church. That's what marriage is. That's why the enemy attacks marriage so much. No wonder the enemy does what he does. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, we got to raise a standard up against it. So as we go to communion today, we're raising up a standard, a banner that's over us. The Word says that standard or that banner is love. Amen? Mutual submission and strength between each other. Living out the roles that we should live within each other. And then with that, that's husband and wife. But I also think the family of God, we love and mutual respect and submission to each other. It's important as well. And so as we go into worship now, please come get this. I'll lead you here in a moment in communion. Amen? And then be reflective of what God is speaking to your heart that you need to go to Him with to cause you to fulfill your R-O-L-E no matter what the R-O-L-L is going on in your marriages. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.